Welcome back to the Cycle 365, recorded on August 5th, 2020. I am one of your co-hosts, Cody Stoffer. I'm Simon Voyanos. And I'm Liam Hughes. And today we got a couple of topics for you, but kicking us off is NBA talk. You know, it's been opening weekend slash weeks for NBA basketball, and there's quite a bit of surprises i would say on the nba front and i guess simon what are just some of your takeaways from nba this past weekend and up until this point of the week um so i'm just going to talk about gameplay in general to start but there are a lot more high scoring games and just very efficient you know what i mean on on offense and i don't think it's bad defense per se like maybe the first couple games but it most definitely became apparent players are just shooting better and i don't know if y'all saw this theory but the whole depth perception theory have y'all saw that no i have not have okay that's fine well i'm gonna break it down like real quick um i'm not like you know a science guy or whatever you know i saw this on tiktok and then on a couple other pages but the theory is that you know they're playing essentially in a gym right so there aren't any fans there's it's basically like how should I say this? Like the walls are a little bit more closer and whatnot. So it's like the depth perception isn't as bad as in a normal arena. You know what I mean? Because when you're just, you know, when you're shooting from different areas, it's not like, Oh, I got to put this much power. Like, I don't know. It's kind of like a weird psychological thing. I don't know how much fact is behind it, but it definitely makes sense because I'm not gonna lie, there's been some pretty solid defense and I don't think it's terrible defense and everyone's just getting open. I'm just thinking like, maybe it's just because this situation, this area is a little bit more closed off. It has more of a like gym wreck type of feeling. So naturally like these players are just gonna be, you know, hitting a little bit higher than usual. And it shows because a lot of these games are real unpredictable. You know they're really they're super high scoring i know that rockets and mavericks game broke a lot of records scoring wise um and you know that that one sucked they both teams basically combined for almost 300 points which is insane in overtime and the which the rockets won by the way so there's that but yeah i think it's real entertaining there's just a lot of offense and i'm not gonna lie i think because of like the higher clip of shooting the you know just how should I say this? Just how much more efficient it all is. Like we're just gonna get higher scoring games and more unpredictable outcomes. Like there are a few teams that are you know, performing up to, I guess up to the level they were before the break. You know what I mean? Does that make sense? Yeah. No. I I definitely get what you're saying, and I think that kind of makes sense in a way. You know, because stadiums are so bloated outwards with fans versus these gyms that are very they're very rigid you know they're very square so Mm -hmm. and i think that maybe that also creates like a bit more of a relaxed feeling for these for these guys where you know we've we've all seen their off-season workout videos you know what i'm saying of of these players and they're playing against they're playing against like joe schmoes at lifetime right and everything they do looks smoother in that setting and i think that you can kind of see that level of like that kind of play transferring over into the bubble. <clears throat> oh, yeah, I definitely Absolutely. agree. And uh, oh, Liam, it's uh, 
Oh my god, I just completely blanked out. Yeah, you just you just disappeared <laughs> for a second. I was gonna call the ambulance. What the hell just happened? Dude. Um. <laughs> Bro, you Come on. <laughs> oh my god. Here. Okay? I'm having a right. stroke. While, while Liam uh, gets over his medical emergency, Simon, I'm going to go back to you. While that Mavs game didn't end the way that you wanted it to end, I think it was it was a great statement game for both teams coming out of the gate, and the Mavs have still secured a seventh seed in the playoffs. So on the bright side, yeah. you guys are still locked in, even though you guys basically already were. You guys are officially in the playoffs. Yeah, that is very true, and I'm thankful for it. You know, don't get me wrong. I'm I'm not gonna lie. I'm I've been pretty like me and my brothers for sure have been pretty critical of how they've been playing. Um, not that we're playing bad per se. I just think our closing needs a lot of work, and that's just you know we're a young team. That's just a natural thing that's gonna happen, and you really can't. I don't know. There's really not much you could do about it unless just. Uh, keep playing, keep learning, and all that, and it'll get better as they move forward. So, we'll see. I was a little surprised. I felt like the Mavericks would do a little bit better, but I just kind of think that all of these teams are really hot right now, too. Offensively, you know, at least the ones in the bubble. Like, I don't know. Like, it, there's just a, something a little bit different. There's a level of unpredictability to a lot of these teams. Like, the Suns are kind of killing it to be honest like i really didn't think they'd have a chance but here they are uh, what is it at 29 wins that yeah happened. they're yeah. they're right in the thick of it and they're three and oh in the bubble right now yeah so they're at 29 wins tied with the spurs pelicans and then the right on the heels of the trailblazers and then the grizzlies are still holding on on the eighth seed but they've Taking some pretty big losses, though, so I'm not super sure. Also, they lost Jaron Jackson for the season because he tore his meniscus or and something like that. They're on a five-game losing streak between the bubble and the regular season right now. Yeah, so I already kind of didn't think they were going to you know, push through. Um, but with Jaron Jackson being out, him being such a big piece, and then all the pressure just being on John Morant, a rookie, and then them already like losing all these games, I just... I find it hard to believe that they'll be able to, you know, fend off, uh, in my opinion, the Trailblazers and the Suns, who are kind of the two teams that are threatening for that eighth spot. Like, I still believe in the Spurs. Don't count out the Spurs because, you know, they'll they'll always do their thing. You can't never count them out. But I like the Trailblazers and uh, Suns specifically, either one of those, to take over that eighth spot. I'm not too sure about the Pelicans because I know Zion's been still playing like you know limited minutes which i don't know why they don't just play him 30 minutes since he had like three months three extra months to rest but you know it is what it is i guess so yeah i think well i think no matter what there's going to be a play-in game between the nine and the eight seed because you need to be four games ahead right so if if you're the nine seed and you're within four games, so say the Trailblazers pass the Grizzlies and then the Grizzlies just don't let anyone else pass them because don't get me wrong. Like as far as the Spurs, Pelicans and the Suns go, they still have to win three games and Memphis still has to lose three games, right? There's a little bit more ground to break there between like the, uh, like the 10 seeds basically is what I'm going to call them and the ninth seed. But I think, 
no matter who ends up in the ninth seed, they're going to play the eighth seed in the West in that double elimination like series of games for the eighth spot. Yeah. And I think that that's really exciting. I This is Love some it. of the best basketball that I've ever seen in my life. Every single game is super competitive. Like you said, Simon, players are hitting shots, you know, and there's good defense. Like nobody is slacking on the court at any time. And then you have, you know, there's some stories that have been crazy. Like TJ Warren scored over 50 points. Like that kind of blew me away. The Raptors are on a seven game win streak right now. You know, MPJ set a Nuggets record for most points by a rookie through two games with like 67, I think it was. So there's lots of great storylines right now. And uh, I'm really excited for the playoffs and I welcome back basketball with open arms. It's some of the best basketball I've ever seen here in the bubble. Absolutely. I love how they just have games on throughout the day too. I mean, cause I started my job, like my, you know, teaching job eight to three, but I know I could always come home and throw on a basketball game and, you know, it feels good to have sports back. <laughs> it feels good to be watching something other than Netflix or Hulu or Disney plus. This is not nice <laughs> for either of those. So, yeah. Yeah. Simon, they're not paying us. So don't plug them. Yeah. <laughs> I'm saying it's, it's good to not watch one of those. So there you go. Don't sue us either though, but go on. Liam, did, oh, hold on, Liam, did you have uh, some opinions on this, by the way? Yeah, question for you guys. Did you expect the Lakers and the Bucks to be number one in both conferences? Yes. Like, do you mean like heading into the bubble? Or yeah. Because I think if we go back to yeah, the preseason... I think if we went back to the preseason, like the NBA preview, I don't think I had the Lakers at number one out of spite because I'm I'm a Nuggets and Thunders fan. So uh, Thunder fan. So out of spite in the NBA preview, I don't think I did. Simon might have had the Lakers at number one in the preview, though. We'd have to go back and double check that, though. Oh, yeah, I'm pretty sure I, did. I at least said that they're going to win the finals. And I still believe that. Um, especially here, let, let's talk about that first game. Okay. It wasn't the first game, but the first game for the Lakers, the Lakers and Clippers game, because that one was pretty impressive. Um, I don't know. Like, I, I kind of want to get y'all's opinion on this real quick, at least on the podcast. Um, but I felt like it was a pretty balanced out game for the Lakers. Granted, you know, the Clippers were losing Lou Will and Montrez O'Harrell, but you know, that's what happens when you break a bunch of rules and the Clippers are low-key still suffering from it because, you know, Devin Booker just hit a game winner over Paul George and Kawhi Leonard, just like how LeBron shut down Paul George and Kawhi Leonard in the last minute or in the last seconds of that game. So I was pretty impressed by the Lakers, but at this point with the Clippers, just real quick, I'm just going to throw this out there. I'm more concerned than I was before the start because they've been taking some pretty big L's and just not closing. Like this is a team that shouldn't struggle with closing. The Mavericks is a team that should that should struggle with closing, to be honest. But this is a team with a billion veterans, with all the role players in the world, and I don't know what's their excuse because of Lou because of Lou Will and Montrezl O'Harrell. Like I, I don't know, you know, like you got a Finals MVP, and you got somebody who's kind of okay in Paul George. Like I just think the excuses are out now. You know, it's time to it's time to get good. Yeah, for sure. I mean, close as we all know, closing games is one of the hardest things to do in sports. 
probably the curse that happens to every competitive, competent team. You know what I mean? Just always Absolutely. find a way to uh, to throw a game in the last three minutes. And I understand that, but you know, you got Kawhi Leonard, who's the best defender in the league, well, in my opinion. You know, he was a Finals MVP, all of that. I, you know, like I don't know, like wh where's he at? Where's he at on defense? To be honest, or offense for that matter. Well, all right, I I want to counter you just a little bit, so. The, the Clippers are are one and two, and those two losses are against the Lakers and a, a surging Suns team. A surging Suns team, right? They, they, they took care of the Pelicans, no big deal. The Lakers, so far, up, up to this point in the recording, are two and two out of the break. So they've lost just as many games, and they just lost to the Thunder by almost 20 points. Now, I love the Thunder, okay? I love the Thunder. But we shouldn't be beating the Lakers by 19 points. The Lakers shot 13% from three today. Mm -hmm. LeBron James was 0 for 5. Oh. So you could make the same, like, washed king argument oh. just from that game. They lost to the Raptors by 15. Like, so I, okay. if it's time to panic on the Clippers, then it's time to panic on the Lakers. You know, I feel like there's... You know, <laughs> like the Lakers are also finding like everyone is still finding their footing, too. Right. So I wouldn't be worried I or jump ship on the Clippers quite yet at this point. Oh, but here's the thing, though, because the Lakers already secured their spot. It doesn't matter if they play well or not. Like if I'm be like, I don't want to like throw this out there, but if I'm just being honest, like I really wouldn't be surprised if. They had a lower sense of urgency these next couple games just because they know no matter what happens, nobody could touch them. You know, either way, they're going to be playing an eighth seed. And so that's the difference because with the Clippers, this point, it's not, like, you know, it's not one of those things where they're locked in. Like, yeah, they're locked in for the playoffs. But the thing is, they could slide really fast if they if they want to, you know, like I hope they do. <laughs> and they can you know like let's be real like there's no there's no reason why that they can't be a fourth seed or here let me look at the standing so i'm you know not just talking trash, no they but... they could fall as far as like a six seed if they do bad enough clippers, oh yeah if the clippers lose all five of their next games and they fall to the seven and everybody yeah. else wins at least one yeah so i don't know i'm just saying the clippers spot is already vulnerable it was already vulnerable before coming into the bubble uh now it's even more vulnerable and then even before the season they weren't really that to get like you could tell that they weren't playing in sync and that they would rest players like they wouldn't play with their full squad and they did that on purpose like let's be real they weren't suffering through that many injuries they were resting people through load management doing all that stuff and now look look what happened you know, and so the, the the thing with the Clippers is that those concerns have been there. The Lakers, we've seen them go like hardcore, like, oh my gosh, what, what uh, pedal to the metal and whatnot, and just play super hard, play with really good chemistry. Even Dion Waiters and J.R. Smith, who just joined they're the team. They're balling. Oh, yeah. They just joined the team two weeks ago, and they're playing better than some of the Clippers bench players who have been there almost two years. 
So I'm just saying, like, I get it. You know, like the Lakers have slipped a little bit. They lost to the Thunder. I get it. You know, um, the Raptors one is a little bit more forgivable. Forgivable. My bad. The Raptors one is a little bit more forgivable just because yeah. the Raptors are low-key, you know, a top two seed. Contenders. In the yeah, and they are, let's be real, they're still the champs. You know, they lost one player. Sorry, they lost two players technically in Kawhi and Danny Green, but they're still making some, they're making it happen. You know, they're not playing the same way, but they're making something happen. And they're a good squad too. I mean, all of these teams are good squads, but they're a tier above all the other Eastern squads, in my opinion. So I like, I don't want to make too many excuses because they still, you know, the Lakers, they still got to win. But I think at this point for the Lakers and Clippers, they're both in two different boats. The Clippers, they're still fighting to see where they're going to end up in the playoffs. The Lakers are kind of just, you know, they're chilling and they're giving, you know, Deion Waiters, all the role players, like those minutes to make sure all the rust, all those stupid mental mistakes, because, you know, J.R. Smith. He's good for at least one mental mistake in a really crucial situation. They're making sure they get all of that out now so that that doesn't happen in the playoffs. That makes sense to me. Well, we'll we'll certainly see. Um, we'll, and we'll find out. We'll have even more for next week and um, what will be a special episode for us. And we'll talk about that a little bit later. But there's still a lot that can happen. There's a huge game. Uh, the second last, second to last game of the season for the Nuggets and the Clippers is Nuggets versus Clippers, which is obviously huge with the Nuggets being right behind the Clippers in seeding. So, oh yeah, when is is that this week or next week? That's, That's next Wednesday, Wednesday at seven. Oh, okay. Circle it. That in mind. Also, huge, TJ bro. Warren is gunning for uh, bubble MVP. <laughs> low key uh, but I personally don't have anything else I haven't I know that the Nuggets are playing with their foot off the gas Jamal Murray Gary Harris and Will Barton haven't played a single game yet in the bubble and we're 2-1 and one. so wait yeah. till we're at full strength is, yeah. is what I'm saying and the Thunder are also playing kind of out of their minds just gonna put that out there Chris Paul you know, he still wants a ring and I'm not, I'm not going to tell him that he can't get it this year. Thunder will be an interesting team. Um, I think you can't honestly at this point, to be honest, just with how a lot of these games have been going, you really can't count out a lot of these teams, at least in the West and the East. You could write off a lot of them though, to be honest. So I honestly think any of the teams one through seven in the West could contend for a championship. Yes, I said seven. Yes. Let's not talk about it too much, Simon. I've been saying it, so it's not that big of a deal. But yeah, uh, Liam, did you have anything to add? My bad. I kind of just took no, over fine. and ranted for a bit. You're good. I don't have anything to add. Except for the Jazz. The Jazz can't contend for a championship. Oh, I almost <laughs> forgot. No. no. They're, they're clowns. Oh, yeah. I would just be honest. Like I'm just going to throw this out there before we move on. No matter how good they do... I'm just going to be real, man. There's going to be that little thought deep down in every Utah Jazz player that's like, eh, do we really want to? Okay, not do we really want to win this game, but do we really have it takes to win this game? Like, do I really trust Rudy Gobert like that? And yes, it is Rudy Gobert because he's the one who screwed up their flow, everyone's flow for that matter. So I just... 
now. <laughs> I'd, I'd, to be honest, I'd rather trust an eighth seed, like a Suns or Trailblazers, than them. So, yeah. Uh, that's still eight teams, though. Yep. I think that does it for this segment. Simon, what do we got up next? All right. So coming up next, we got the return of the XFL. I told y'all. Well, I don't know if I told y'all on the podcast, but I told y'all coming up next. Welcome back to the Cycle 365. In this upcoming segment, we're going to be talking about the deal with the XFL that Dwayne The Rock Johnson, Redbird Capital, and Danny Garcia made to purchase the XFL. There's a $15 million deal, and all three of the co-partners pitched in, obviously. Danny Garcia becoming the first woman to ever own an entire sports league. Do you guys have any... uh, have any opinions on it? So who's the majority um, owner, or is it all equal between the three? Does it say? Because I can't find it. Let me, let me look. So $15 million doesn't seem like a lot. <laughs> I mean, not that I have... If, they, uh, if there's a majority owner. Okay. Well, then I assume it's probably a three-way split, though. Yeah. 15 million really isn't a lot though. That's that's the crazy part. Oh, um, that's kind of chump change for almost everybody involved. It's true. Yeah. Um, do you mind if I go on with my reaction then? Go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. Okay. Yeah. So um I think this is great. The XFL is a great league for, you know, NFL players or wannabe NFL players to develop and whatnot. We saw a lot of success with it. If I'm being honest, they really don't need to change much. They just got to keep everyone on staff, obviously, and then just roll with the same formula formula that they have, you know, taking a little bit from college, taking some free agents, and just staying with that same, you know, um, that same recipe. It's really not that hard, to be honest. And I think, honestly, it really did get screwed over by covid and it was real unfortunate. And I know all of us were really sad about it. Did we actually ever talk about the XFL folding at all outside of mentioning it? We don't talk about that, bro. It never happened. We'll see. <laughs> now we are. <laughs> it did I happen. wasn't sad about it, for the record. Hey, why? Because I think Vince McMahon is a joke. Liam never watched Liam okay. never watched the XFL to fall I watched, in love with okay. it. I watched highlights of the XFL and yes they were cool, but Vince McMahon is a joke. Yeah, I well I could I could respect the whole Vince McMahon thing because he kinda left the XFL out to dry just so he could save the WWE, which stupid. But <laughs> either way, I think it's great. You know, I'm looking forward to XFL football. This is great for all football players. Um or I'll say aspiring pro football players because you now let's let's just you know keep everything in perspective. COVID's still a thing, right? And with the NFL banning pre okay for this year banning preseason games and not having them at all, there's going to be a lot of guys left out to dry and just a lot of missed opportunities. And well, that kind of sucked. Uh, they have the XFL, which honestly is probably better in a preseason opportunity like your four games because in the xfl you get paid you know your salary and then you get to play a full season 
and it's it's pretty close to the real thing as you could get i would say experience wise like they always did pretty good with fans like it was a very consistent presence obviously until COVID hit so yeah i'm feeling pretty good about it i think this is a win for all athletes for fans and i'm looking forward to it the only question i really have is if they're gonna keep the same teams or uh switch the teams around because i know i mean i don't know the more i think about it <laughs> the lesson made sense to have XFL teams and major cities that already had NFL teams. Like they could probably profit off of you know, a small town that really wants a pro team, but can't support a Colorado pro Springs. team. Exactly. I don't know if I'd support that, but you know, we'll see. So there you go. For sure. And a big thing that the deal is, which we we mentioned Danny Danny Garcia being becoming the first woman to uh, own an entire sports league, but also Dwayne the Rock Johnson becoming the first, and I believe Danny Garcia becoming the first minorities to, in, to own an entire sports league. Oh, at least within the United States. Hopefully, that means that the XFL as a whole is more progressive than some of the other sports leagues that we have. For sure, <laughs> pretty lit NFL. <clears throat> Did I say that? Yeah. NFL. Anyways. Well, I think I you meant like MLB and NHL too, but go on. Yeah, very true. True. <laughs> <laughs> but I didn't say anything uh, once again. Everyone but the NBA. Go on. <laughs> WNBA, sorry. Facts. Big shout out to WNBA. But anyways, you were saying. They're killing it. Um. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> you guys are fine. I, I just forgot. Oh my god. Anyway, go ahead. Dude, is it hot in your room or something, bro? Because are you sweating out your thoughts? Apparently. Apparently I'm freezing them out. Cody, do you have an opinion on uh, on the XFL at the moment? I'm I'm really excited. I was pretty sad about the XFL because I thought that it would be a really good developmental league. And we saw guys using it as an alternative for college, which... You know, logistically speaking, is a good idea for a lot of these kids who, you know, say like the St. Louis Battlehawks come back, right? You know, it probably yes. makes more sense for some Missouri kids to stay home and play football in the state of St. Louis where there there's an opportunity there. And then eventually to, to build up a profile to be drafted into the NFL, right? Then move all the way across the country where they get an offer in like Idaho or something and they're super far away from home, so... Yeah, getting paid nothing. Yeah. For putting their well, bodies on the line. They're getting paid in scholarships. Blah. Oh, great. Um, <laughs> so, and then I also looked at it, and uh, so Denny Garcia is going to be running some kind of executive position, is what she said. Um, and so while those two... um will be doing some executive stuff. She's going to, and along with uh, The Rock, you know, being that he's pretty spread out and has a lot going on, they're going to look into getting um, other XFL employees for um, a return to the XFL. Uh, other than Oliver Luck, he won't be returning probably because he's in the middle of a... Uh, lawsuit against vince mcmahon so um, oh really yeah 
uh, okay. for for wrong wrongful termination. Um, so it'll be, we'll we'll see what happens. With, they don't really know who's going to run the league yet, uh, so that isn't exactly the shares of the league, but it is something. And then um, another thing is that they said that they're going to try and keep the league kind of the same for the most part, as far as like the image that it was creating, you know, so pro- we'll probably see a lot of the same rules, uh, a lot of the same gameplay. And they're also talking 2021. They're thinking about making a bubble. And something that I found kind of interesting from this ESPN article is that they were, the XFL had a plan for the bubble just in case um, they needed to cut costs. So huh. in, in that case, they'd be banking uh, majority wise on broadcast deals would probably be the plan. But I think that they probably need to wait it out and see what sports is going to look like. Because if NFL gets pushed back to the spring and college gets push, uh, pushed back to the spring, I don't really think the XFL can compete with that, if I'm being completely honest. For sure. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Um, see, that's interesting because it already sounds like the XFL has a better game plan than the NFL. And they've had like six months to prepare for this. <laughs> oh, the XFL no. has been business. So, I don't know. I'm okay. So the XFL's, you know, um, goal is to never really compete with the NFL like that. Low key this year, I could honestly see the NFL starting, or you know, a couple games, and then it gets really bad, or something happens that you know forces it to shut down potentially for the season, and they just don't, you know, the players and the league don't come to an agreement, and then the XFL comes up with their plan with the bubble and then they end up running the spring instead of the nfl or the nba i'm I'm not completely sure what the nba is going to do after this season exactly but we'll see so yeah uh you know and that's that's kind of a long shot but it's most definitely a possibility that should uh be kept an eye on you know just kind of kind of like i'd say along the same lines of when I said i don't think i said it on the podcast but i've said it to somebody before when i said you know the xfl might come back they're just waiting to be sold you know but don't keep your hopes up i think those are kind of the same possibility uh possibility rates whatever percentages of uh, that happening but it's not something to disregard just yet i would say i think that it'll be very interesting i think that they do have an uphill bo- battle between yeah covid and between the league folding again that makes it i feel like that's going to be really hard to sell broadcast deals to to people for like a long term kind of thing you know which most broadcast broadcast deals are multiple years right and to get the money that the xfl would need to sustain itself i feel like it's going to be an uphill battle there's going to be some players that are playing for way less than they're worth probably and it's going to be a tight squeeze um and I forget who who said it, but as far as why the XFL was only worth 15 million is because it was um, it, it the deal was brokered by a firm that helps sell like um, sell assets that have like huge bankrupt problems for very cheap so that they can get the money sooner without the interest, if that makes sense. Basically a debt real reallocation kind of strategy is is why 
The Rock and uh, Danny Garcia have possession of the XFL. I, do you guys think that the XFL should wait a year before, like, should they wait for a vaccine for COVID before they try and reopen? Or do you think that they should do kind of like a bubble thing and keep it all low and not have fans in the stands? I mean, there's definitely pros and cons to each side, so I want to hear what you guys have to say. I think, well, first of all, let's say that the uh, the sale is still subject to bankruptcy court approval. So while it's been while it's official, um, there's still I guess could be a bankruptcy court that says no, this can't happen. But that shouldn't happen. That'll be decided tomorrow, as of yeah. the day of this re- podcast recording. Okay. If it gotcha. if it goes against what um, for the for the listeners who are listening, if the deal doesn't go through, just skip this entire section of the podcast. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but okay. I would definitely say that the XFL should start next spring after the Super Bowl. And I think it should have a bubble city if COVID isn't under control by then. Yeah. Personally. Um, kind of like the idea of a bubble. I Honestly, with sports, I think that Loki might be the only good option when it comes to this because baseball is basically falling apart. Isn't the, NH- uh, isn't the NHL doing a bubble type of deal? Yep. Yeah, and the NHL has been doing really well. Yeah, they've, yeah, been, they've been. Their bubble has been extremely successful. Yeah. So it's a proven thing. You know what I mean? Thing is, the NFL is not doing it, and I, I think it's partly because they have 32 teams. With the XFL, they only had six. No. Yes, six teams. All together, three, you know, in the east, three in the west. If I'm right there, I'm pretty sure I'm right. Either yeah, eight at the most, though. Eight at the most. But that's not a lot of teams. And honestly, I'm mean, even with a football roster, you could, you'd have There's to pick eight. the right. Okay, so that's not that bad at all. Still, you just have to pick, you know, the right stadium. The um, with, uh, I'd say in a you know, a solid amount of hotels around there so they can be secured and whatnot. And it could work, honestly. And Loki, maybe they team up with a streaming service. Like here, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna throw this out there. I know um I know ESPN has their thing and whatnot. I don't know what the deal is with the XFL and ESPN because I know some XFL games are on ESPN. And so I don't know if those deals will be honored or not, but we'll see. Uh, there's most definitely a situation where they team up with some streaming service, whether like, you know, a Disney plus Netflix, Hulu or whatever. And they exclusively stream XFL games, you know, kind of like what the NBA is doing low key with, uh, with their thing, just low key, but still the NBA is, it's a different monster as well, but it could be done. And I don't think it would be as hard for the XFL to do it um, compared to the NFL. Yeah, it probably wouldn't be as hard. You're dealing with less, play- fewer players. You're doing dealing with uh, fewer teams. Obviously, few- much smaller staffs. Yes, you can get away with a lot more with six teams than the NFL can with 32. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm excited about it. I mean, they can wait a year if they want to be safe, and you know that is a pretty safe thing to do because I know there are some vaccines in the making i'm not sure how viable they are right now obviously because i'm not a doctor or an expert um sure. in those labs but it could wait 
just see what happens you know wait until the sports cycle goes back to normal uh, if i don't know i think loki if they were to start a bubble this could be a huge boost to the xfl both popularity wise and financially rather than playing it safe but it's a gamble as well you know just keep that in mind yeah of course yeah. but i think it's a gamble that's worth it especially coming into the spring you know they're going to need to start building some capital they're going to need to start building the name i mean so, again obvi obviously everybody who's invested has money has determined that they have money to continue investing but you know you gotta you gotta strike while the iron is hot and especially if say especially if the uh if the nfl kind of fails a little bit then it could be a big thing absolutely might have to play by ear i mean they they shouldn't have to be making big decisions like this just yet uh i'll just say right now if they wait until i don't know october and see what the nfl's issue is then they could make it start making decisions then but right now you know i'm just happy for it to be back yeah and they should be happy that it's back because this is a great investment yeah i'm happy that it's back i'm happy that it got bought I hope that they uh, break from Vince McMahon. I hope that they don't continue that legacy. Um, yeah. but that's just my personal issue with it. And I think it's really cool that we have them around as, you know, kind of like a, an arena football team. Like a semi-pro. Obviously, they're yeah. pros, but, you know. I mean, it's true. Probably better than the arena football league since it just went out of business, too. Yeah. yeah. Cody, do you have anything to add? Can you smell what the XFL is cooking? You guys see that video resurface? No. The, the, <laughs> the Rock has actually said that. He said it for the first XFL. So uh, hopefully, <laughs> hopefully we get that for, for uh, XFL 3.0. I'm excited for it. Um, I just hope that they play it safe and that they play it slow. You know, I'd rather them wait till 2022 to get it going and get a return on their investment. So it's a smart investment rather than rush it in 2021, personally. Fair enough. But, and there's, there's uh, plenty of other things that they'll be competing with, which we'll be talking up, talking about here next. Coming up, Colorado High School Sports, big news. Stay tuned. Back here at Cycle365, we are going to be making a little bit of an adjustment, a little bit of a, a change as far as what we're going to be covering here on the Cycle. Simon, do you want to talk about just a, just a little sneak peek on what fans and listeners of the cycle should be expecting here in the next few weeks. Yeah, so these next couple weeks will be our transition period. And we're not going, like, we're not quitting and whatnot. We're just, uh, how should I say this? We're refocusing, you know? Um, so what we really want to do, personal, I'm just going to give you all, you know, a personal look into my life, really. But I'm starting as a teacher Cody's a high school coach. Jesse's he's over at his college right now. He's a GA over at Trinity International and whatnot. 
And honestly, we all just want to do something that kind of aligns more with our careers and that has more of a purpose. Because so far, we've just covered a lot of sports and it's been great. You know, last last week we passed 50 episodes and whatnot, and we went into a whole ton of things in this whole year and in these past 50 episodes, anything ranging from sports to politics to movements to a little bit of pop media as well. And now we just want to refocus. We really want to work on just having a good focus. And so these next couple weeks, we I'm not going to announce the name, am I? No. Okay. So the name is we're we're gonna change our name. We're gonna change the logo. Okay. Um, that's to be announced probably next week on the last episode of the cycle three six five officially. So there's that. And then we're gonna focus much more on next generation of athletes. So we've covered pro athletes, they've had their time, they're good enough to go pro, they're good enough to be number one overall to be stars, to be future Hall of Famers, all of that stuff. Moving forward, we want to talk about the guys who are up next. The next LeBrons, the next Joe Burrows, the next Tua Tagovailoa's, the next, um, you know, Canelo Alvarez and all that stuff. And so we're really going to be focusing on these three sports or four sports, technically, specifically basketball, football, boxing, and MMA. And I believe it's college high school slash you know youth sports whatever and i think we're going to cover some developmental leagues like the g league and xfo as well the point is we want to cover the next group of athletes and that's what we want to do and we're going to be doing breakdowns we're going to be doing reactions to shows reality shows that cover some of these developmental leagues that that includes jucos as well so last chance you qb1 is another one that we hope to do as well and one other whatever other documentaries are out there so yeah so that's just our refocus and so next week will be the last episode of the mini series also check out the last episode if you haven't yet with uh maddie spillman and then we're gonna have our last episode official episode of the cycle 365 before taking a break changing our name changing the logo and yeah is there anything else i'm missing or Nope, I I definitely think you had it on the head, uh, hit the nail on the head, and Sweet. you know I'm I'm really excited to shift our focus, and excited to you know hear what you guys think and if there's anything that you think we should cover on a bit more of the amateurish level, and you know if there's and we're we're always looking we're still looking for stories too you know I think that part of like always. our transition was just how much. We enjoyed the mini series, you know, with our respective episodes and sometimes conjoin episodes, you know, that I think that also had something to do with it, if I'm not mistaken. Right, Simon? Yes, it did. It most definitely did have to do with that for sure. Um, we're also looking to bring on more guests. So uh, for me personally, PE teachers, coaches, obviously that we all know, you know, just not just me as well. And yeah, just as many people as we can to get that perspective of what this next generation of athletes are going through and let's not get it twisted you know cody and i we're both pretty sure we're both still part of gen z we're just the you know the top part right we're gonna be the next coaches and whatnot and so what we're looking for or i guess what we really want to do is you know help out the next group of athletes because we've been there and it's been less than a couple years to be honest since we've been there so yeah that's where that's where i'm coming from at least 
Yep. And uh, I'm I'm really excited for the change, and I I think you guys should be excited too. It'll be lit. Oh, and you know Liam will obviously still be with us. I just realized I didn't mention Liam at all throughout that whole <laughs> spiel, but he will be with us. We'll uh, we'll put him through the well. Okay, we don't really put have to put him through much of a ringer. He still knows his amount of football and could do some really good scouting as well and whatnot. So yeah, but I'm, ex I'm excited to learn more about uh, MMA and boxing, which are yeah. they're, they're sports that I've always loved, but I've never gotten too deep into. So it'll be cool. Sure. It's fun, especially the younger levels, like the Ryan Garcias and whatnot. Mm -hmm. Y'all know who he is yet? I got no idea. Really? But I'm he's kind of to, a, looking to find out. He's kind he's of a, a big deal. A little bit, yeah. He's dang, that boy is only 21, 22. So he's one of the younger ones. He's kind of a TikToker, but not really. It's he's it's a complicated thing. Too. What? Nothing. Anyways, <laughs> well, he's good. But we're going to be covering up-and-comers like that. Um, and just also to throw this out there, you know, to our communities here in Colorado, Colorado that, that includes Colorado Springs, Denver, Northern Colorado, Greeley, Fort Collins. If you got a kid, let's say high school, we'll cap it right there. If you got a high schooler who's real talented and whatnot, send us his or her film and we'll do a breakdown. Hopefully we could get the kid on too so it's not just us criticizing them and they can't, you know, themselves but send us that film we'll take a look at it we'll do some on-air coaching so yeah specifically we'd specialize as far as film watching goes in football and basketball and we'll look to expand um wherever we can too just to help these help out these uh youth athletes get on the map so exactly and if you got a fighter too because i think at least personally i feel like i could do boxing and mma or we can at least um but just haven't as much i don't think there's really not a lot of people who break down younger boxers and mma fighters like that so it'll be a good opportunity for sure yep 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 anyways cody i think you got some news about colorado sports yeah so in a time where we're focusing on high school sports the high school sports landscape in colorado has been shaken completely upside down this was an announcement from Chassa Now on August 4th. So that was yesterday from when this recording was and a couple of days before when this podcast will be released. This is a quote. The Colorado High School Activities Association has announced its 2020-2021 interscholastic athletics and activities calendar following months of collaboration with Jared Polis, the Chassa Resocialization Task Force, uh, Task Force, the Sports and Medicine Advisory Committee, the state's COVID-19 response team, the Colorado Department of Public Health and Environment, and Chassa Board and Directors of Administrative Staff. This is a quote from Chassa Commissioner Rhonda Blanford-Green. The health and safety of our student participants, coaches, officials, and essential personnel, including volunteers, is a primary concern for the return of interscholastic athletics and activities. We are very grateful for the state health and educational leaders for their shared commitment of a return to these highly beneficial education programs when it is deemed safe for all school communities. So, and the resumption of any activities in athletics are subject to change based on national, state, or local guidelines. And the 2020-21 sports season will be going on with a modified schedule split into four different seasons. So... The and, and the dates and plans are still trying to be figured out, but we have season A 
is is the fall 2020 sports season that's going to go as originally scheduled with boys golf beginning on August 3rd, 3rd, softball, boys tennis, and cross country in season A. The remaining traditional fall sports can't be played under the current health guidelines. So sports that we're going to see later when I talk about the other seasons are going to be hockey, football, gymnastics, boys soccer, uh, spirit, unified bowling, and girls volleyball. So after the fall sports conclude on October 17th, there's going to be a pause or a moratorium, as they're calling it, from October 18th to January 3rd. Colorado is not playing sports in the winter, is what I'm saying. So starting on January 4th will be season B, and that'll be basketball, ice hockey, skiing, spirit, girls swimming, and wrestling. Season C, which will begin on March 1st, and conclude by May 1st is field hockey, football, gymnastics, boys soccer, unified bowling, and girls volleyball. See, oh, and then it'll conclude with season D. That'll be baseball, girls golf, boys and girls lacrosse, girls soccer, girls tennis, boys swimming, track and field, and boys volleyball. And that'll start on April 26th and conclude on June 26th, which is not too far off from the original schedule for a handful of these sports. Initial thoughts. You meant, oh, sorry. You mentioned where wrestling was in all of that. That's season B. So that's where basketball mm-hmm. is like January 4th to like, uh, right before the beginning of March. Yeah. Okay. Um, sorry. I kind of cut you off there. Do you mind if I go first? Either of you? Uh, I don't mind. Go for it. So it's not canceled. So that's the thing we should all be thankful for because most definitely could have been slash maybe should have been, but I'm not going to go there. Um, so that's good. The thing is, I'm not, okay, keep this in mind. I, the viewers know this, but I feel like I still got to say it just in case it gets taken out of context. I don't have a child <laughs> or anything like that. That's a high schooler, right? And neither do do my co-host, at least that we know of. So there's that. Uh, the thing is, for some parents, and I'm just I'm not gonna drop any names. Just at the school I'm working with, there are just some parents concerned about you know kids that are multi-sport athletes. So say there's a I don't know, there's a kid that does wrestling, football, and baseball. Is what they were saying is that when I talked to them, at least was that some of these seasons overlap, but I mean, that's really only if you go to the championship and whatnot. So if you, so what I heard was that if they went to finals for wrestling, then they would miss like, Oh my God. Okay. It's kind of a lot, but they would miss almost the first three games or two games of football, because I do believe you need nine practices and pads to be able to play in a game. Isn't that right? Cody, something like that something like you do need and and you need to work through the steps so you need to go shells then you need to go pads without full contact like with pads and uh like dummies then you have to go full pads yeah absolutely so it's keeping all that in mind you know and then if football goes to stretch then it would most definitely cut into a little bit of baseball the thing is and it, it had to happen because they couldn't have just like you know seamlessly fit these 
you know all these seasons together into one semester without there being some overlap so it makes sense to me you know but there are most definitely some kids who will be caught into some tougher situations for sure at least in colorado you know what i'm saying and it like let's be real we should still be thankful that there's a season and whatnot but there are most definitely situations that like that that might affect some of these teams because there are most definitely coaches who aren't as understanding as they should be and they'll be like well why'd you pick wrestling over football or why'd you pick baseball over football i don't know why i'm just calling out football coaches but i think you could get what i'm putting down here so there you go um yeah and so that's my only concern that some coaches may not be as flexible even with COVID going along and they might expect honestly some players to make that hard commitment they never really had to before so it'll be interesting to see how that goes because there might be some teams that won't have all the starters they want at least or the first couple games of the season yeah i hear you and there's definitely it's not perfect but no. you guys know my opinion i think as an american population we kind of did this to ourselves um liam what are what are some of your thoughts on on this um renovated season and do you think that we'll be able to see it through well i'd like to uh, echo that sentiment that we did this entirely to ourselves um but i i do think that it's it'll be good that it's going to be in seasons like this that um or at least it seems good on paper that that there will be seasons like this but ultimately i'm of the mind that there probably shouldn't be a uh, a competitive season this year just personally that's fair here this this is just my mindset with it but right um sacrifices are gonna have to be made so if the nation or whatever closes down it could still happen let's be real like these are plans for the next season but yeah. there's still a pretty significant looming threat that it gets canceled altogether and it just doesn't happen of course but, yeah. and so i'm under the impression that we close down everything now and we're all disciplined and we do our job you know, social distance don't be an idiot and like meet with other people and keep spreading this thing we could you know sooner stomp this thing out no, but it's gonna take time and like it like y'all said we did do this to ourselves so we need to uh, sorry we need to hold not just ourselves but each other accountable for this type of thing you know so let's let's just throw that out there but i am under the impression that you know if we do make the sacrifices now it's gonna help us later uh these are i'm just gonna be honest two to three month at the minimum type of sacrifices that we would have to make for things to truly go back to normal even with a vaccine yeah of course and i think it's you know it's probably for the best that um there wasn't a decision made yet to completely shut everything down so going the, to this like this half season or you know what i mean this this like half compromise between shutting everything down and uh just keeping everything as normal as always that's a good step in the right direction and then if things keep continuing to get worse especially as schools open up and as kids become you know in 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 face-to-face -face contact with each other if things continue to get worse then we can shut it down or we can at least say okay well this first season is canceled and we'll, we'll step back in in the in the second uh like season of sports for the school year 
and we'll see we'll reevaluate and we'll see can these sports have a season you know what i mean and i think it's good yes. that there will be kind of a halftime esque thing in the winter where there will be no sports going on at all i think that's uh smart so mm -hmm. i think it's a good deal altogether um we'll see if it ends up being the right thing you know what i mean oh but it looks promising at the very least yeah for sure and i agree the reevaluation period you know after this first season will be important because it, i mean this is just what i see or how i view it but i feel like a lot of the games or sorry a lot of the sports going on this first season are sports where not a lot of contact is required i'm pretty sure most of these are individual sports so really there's no like low-key you could probably do some of these things on your own and then just compare times later at least okay well not all of them but for cross country for sure that's what i'm thinking so these are the sports that for sure could be done without a whole ton of restrictions right or at least you know um how should i say the situation major situation altering decisions yeah. so we'll just have to see um also i keep saying um oh my gosh so just to throw this out there this does apply to middle school sports so it's not just high school it's middle school as well because the middle schools have been waiting just to see what chassa will do because they take after chassa and whatnot so they are under the same restrictions as well so don't get it twisted that this is just like you know high school this is middle school as well so that's automatically a good couple thousand more kids that will be affected by this in more ways than one so yeah yeah and just to uh give it a little bit of insight given my position um i do know that if schools end up going fully online across the state the chance for sports happening is very close to zero because it's that idea where i mean if you can't go into a school into a classroom you know where you're playing your sport for and be safe then how are you going to be safe going to a competitive event at least for like these team sports right so yeah keep keep close tabs on schools potentially going online and that having an effect uh another logistic thing that i know is that football is going from a 10 game season to a seven game season and they've limited the number of teams that can make the playoffs at least cool. in 4a there's only eight teams going to the playoffs hey hey total eight total going to oh, the like in 4a like in the entire 4a division of colorado yes only eight wow yeah that's okay i didn't know about that that's a really big deal because okay i really shouldn't have to say it it's a big deal because that's way less than it usually is i feel isn't it absolutely usually it's like um you know they've been playing with different playoff formats but the lowest it's ever been was like 16 but yeah. usually it's like 32 and you know like kind of conference titles kind of level of competition so um it's it's a huge deal it's a huge deal okay oh and see that makes the stakes even higher then yeah you basically have to win every game and 
they don't know if they're going to use RPI yet. So we, so from, from our school's perspective, right, we have to make tough decisions on whether we play crosstown rivals or if we chase after bigger schools, like bigger, like playoff four a schools or even potentially five a schools to strengthen our schedule. And we're going to have to figure out how to kind of juggle that and get ready to that. And we're not allowed to practice like practice practice in pads until February 22nd. So we're going to have one week. We're going to have one week of practice in pads and then the season. Then we have a game basically. Oh my God. So it's going to be quick and just from just from a uh like physical body standpoint that's a little alarming you know um contact takes something to get used to and we still have to you know we still go through the steps as far as going with shells or helmets only then shells then thumps with the pads and then early whistle you know and but it's still different getting hit by you know coaches or players on your own team during practice versus a game. Like we're not even going to have an inter squad scrimmage or I mean, we're going to have an inter squad scrimmage, but we're not going to have a scrimmage against another team. Okay. And Um, yeah, go go ahead. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Okay. Uh, RPI. Is it right? Yeah. Okay. I'm going to probably bring this up a million times, uh, a million times. Uh, I hate how Colorado has done their playoffs in general i've always thought it was stupid how you know you go strength of schedule because at least from what i know in texas it's just straight division so the you know the teams the cities around you those are the guys you got to beat to make into the playoffs and usually those are the guys you face in the first round to continue in the playoffs here it's like i don't know a team could be undefeated or have more wins than another team but they'll still be lower and hate I, I don't know i just hate that i think it's dumb you know and i get it you know like it kind of levels the playing field but i don't know just i'm gonna like i said i'll bring this up over and over again as over you know as much as i need to or as much as i can because i don't want to screw over my teams but i <laughs> i've just been real critical of how they've done it for and i hope they don't do that or for this season because that because that makes it much more complicated you know because that could mean that there are there could potentially be some undefeated teams that don't play how how should i say this they don't play competition that's deemed as high level by chasa as they could be and they don't make the playoffs and i don't like that because there's only eight teams and yeah i don't know i just I, i just don't think that's fair I'm going to keep being critical of that, you know, the way they uh, don't get teams into the playoffs and rank them and seed them and whatever. You know what I'm saying? So, yeah, so I'm just going to throw that You're saying that, that as, a, uh, as a Steelers fan who's still upset about having to play the Broncos at home in 2011, right? Right. Yeah. Well, Even though you I have mean, like a, an 11 and 5 record to our 8 and 8. Yeah, but that's a little bit different too, because at least, to be honest, that the NFL's way of doing it makes more sense to me than how Colorado does it, because it kind of just feels like it has more of a college type of vibe to it. Like 
you know how teams select sorry not how teams how the playoff committee selects teams to make it into the playoffs and they'll be like oh well this team played in the pet or sorry this team played in the big 10 so that means they're not as good as these five sec teams or whatever you know and i don't i don't like that you know like yeah. if you're undefeated you should be in there that's it because you won all those games on your schedule you shouldn't have to play the whole mind game of or strategic game of oh well i gotta schedule this game and i gotta schedule this game and i gotta make sure the strength of schedule is here like i like just play football you know what i'm saying like wins and losses that's it and you know you don't gotta make it you don't gotta go 50 extra miles to make it in an equal you know playing experience or whatever what's going on i don't know how y'all feel about the system but i've always been real critical of it to be honest i mean i was on an undefeated team uh, a couple years ago that wasn't even a top three ranked team in the state so yeah, that's stupid yeah uh <laughs> yeah i i understand the uh the the quabbles with the system and you know it, it has me especially worried for uh this just kind of reminds me of how disappointed i am in the leadership of you know not only here in high school sports but specifically in this country and how this may impact seniors across the entire u.s whose seasons are at risk um you don't get a second senior season uh, a second senior season we've already seen baseball seniors lose their season earlier this spring you know which was just unfortunate but we've had a whole year basically to to get our stuff together if if it's not ready to go for football and you know that's not on these kids but they're the ones who are going to have to live with it and you know talking amongst some of the coaches that i know we're worried about you know these kids are if they have online class like a couple days of the week and they want us to they want us to take a month break right now on practices after we've worked all summer right and we're worried about kids sitting on their butt and, and getting depressed, you know, like it, it's hard being stuck inside and these kids, you know, practice these two times a week, three times a week. It's the most important thing that they got going for them. So we'll definitely have to stay tuned on the ripple effects that these decisions have and the ripple effects of decisions made in the past, you know, year. And I'm, I'm hoping that all of it goes well. Um, I can tell you right now that the kids at my high school, they've been working their tails off. You know, they've gotten a lot better. We've also had construction going on at our school. We've had lightning storms come on. So we've had to, you know, go to classrooms and maneuver the already tough COVID landscape with, you know, construction and lightning. So you know, the kids at my high school have gone through a lot and I just really hope that they get a season. That's that's all that I want because it's what they deserve. Fair enough, yeah. But most of these teams, you know, and kids deserve, to be honest. Yeah, no, all of them deserve it, you know. You no, know, I know, I know. I get where you're coming from, though, because you have, like, a personal connection with them. So, yeah, absolutely. You know? And, I mean, look, it is what it is. This is what we got to work with and we just got to make it happen, you know? um it's not gonna be easy though and yeah, like i said like that eight game or sorry those eight teams making the playoffs that's gonna be tough because like i already mentioned there are gonna be some teams that won't have all the starters they want for the first couple games of the season 
depending on how other seasons go. And I'll just say it, you know, some there's a lot of wrestlers that are really good football players and that are really key to their team. Usually they're the best athletes on the team or some of the best athletes. So it'll be interesting to see how it all shakes out in the end. You know what I mean? Um, it's going to be a grind and it'll be, I'm not going to lie, like it's going to be stressful for a lot of coaches, for a lot of parents and athletes. But from a fan perspective, it might be one of the most entertaining seasons of Colorado football that people have seen in a really long time because every game matters. Literally, every game matters, especially with, you know, if y'all go with the system y'all have been using for the past couple years. So that's all I got to say about it. Now, Liam, do you have any concluding thoughts since Simon and I basically gave our... uh ending monologues here no I, I, <laughs> I think we uh we talked about it pretty thoroughly all right well coming up next we are discussing a prospect just like we said that we would start doing good y'all welcome back to the 44th episode of the cycle 365 we are recording on august 5th 2020 so this is our last segment and like i said we are in a little bit of a transitional period so what like i said in the last segment we wanted to start doing breakdowns of players and this isn't only limited to high school players or players that are in between college and pros this includes college as well so I think a great player to break down this year or okay for this year but to start out is Bajan Robinson the number one running back of the class of 2020 he just graduated he is committed to the University of Texas and just honestly he smashed basically every single rushing record possible in the state of Arizona for football if I'm reading this correctly he has he's the leader in almost every category for a running back for divisions four through six yeah four through six a which is pretty impressive so before we go into all that stats and whatnot we all watched film on him we watched it together actually um and yeah so i just want to get y'all's initial reactions of this guy he's a five-star guy so he's expect he's been expected to be good whatnot but i just want to see uh y'all's initial reaction you know so who wants to start Liam you can go ahead no go ahead Cody (laughs) bro you always do this anyway so (laughs) um my initial reaction was I was blown away initially like his jump cuts I was like oh my god it's Barry Sanders and I had to calm down a little bit you know I I kind of do Watching film for me is going to be a lot like watching where like for the first hour after a movie, if it was really good, I'm going to say that it was the best movie of all time. And then you (laughs) ask me the next day what I thought of it. And then I'm going to be more level headed. You know, I'm going to be out of the honeymoon phase. So Bajan Robinson, I think that he's going to be a great running back. I think he definitely has pro potential. Um, It was a little bit of it was remembering that He's playing against Arizona, which is like, it's still solid talent, 
But there are some guys that you could just tell didn't belong on the field with him who are on defense. Um, and by some, I mean quite a handful. Uh, Bijan Robinson was the best player on the field in all the clips that I watched. And, you know, I think that he's a really impressive player. And I really liked, you know, I think the first thing that caught my eye was his hands. So just out of the backfield and his and his jump cuts, which I'll talk more about during my strength. So. Yeah, for sure. Oh, he uh he he definitely looked like the best player on the field almost all the time i mean he's to concur with you on on the on the idea that maybe some of those defensive players shouldn't have been out there with him not that not that they're bad but just you know different levels of play obviously he looked like he was heads taller or a single head taller than probably most of the defensive backs that he was going up against and he's only six foot so that means those guys are what five seven five eight five six maybe um so certainly could have been playing against a higher caliber opposition as far as the defense goes but what he was playing against he smoked and that's what he needs to be doing and he's doing that so that's really good yeah for sure simon your initial reactions um, so I'm a Texas fan, so I had to pull it away a lot of my biases, but I'm really excited for him to come through to UT. There's a lot of expectations out of him, but I, I'm pretty sure he could handle it. He looked so electric on film. He's most definitely a, I mean, if I had to give him a label, which, you know, it is what it is if I'm wrong, but he's most definitely a very shifty speed type of back. Nope. He... Like, like y'all said, he didn't play against the best competition. So there are times where you could see a defender obviously give up and not at least die for the ankles or whatever, or even, you know, square up for a good tackle. Uh, let's not get it twisted. This dude has electric speed. His agility is off the charts. His skill level is great. I know we watched his junior year highlights together. There's most definitely a significant jump from junior year to senior year, uh, hands-wise as a receiver. Because he looked like a pretty elite receiver too his senior year, watching some of that film. And it, it was just amazing catch after amazing catch. You know, all hands and whatnot. And he's just a very skilled guy. So that was my takeaway. And I'm excited for him to come through to UT. I believe that, well, I'm okay, not just me. It's, this isn't just me. But most people believe that he will be a guy that will take over the starting job from Keontae Ingram and be a day one starter, assuming the season happens. So, yeah. Well, Hope there wasn't too much bias there. No, no, that was fine. That was fine. I, I appreciate yeah. the constant reminder that you're from Texas. But anyways, um, welcome. <laughs> but I, I think that we can transition onto strengths, and I'm gonna head and just snatch the microphone and talk about the biggest strengths that jumped out to me was his stiff arm. Oh my goodness! You want to talk about a huge difference from his junior year to his senior year? He got strong triceps bro he was palming defenders into the ground constantly and and it's really quick too it's almost like a jab punch you know he just like he's running down the sideline somebody gets close to him bah! they're on the ground and he keeps running like he doesn't get stuck on his stiff arm and i found that that was really impressive because like i feel like a lot of running backs at the high school level don't know when to put their stiff arm out and it slows them down you know because they're running kind of awkwardly like in at anticipation and they become very like their their vision becomes very narrow but he did a great job of being aware of the field being aware of the defender 
and just having like his awareness stunned me and he was able to just get that arm out like a like shot out of a cannon and stiff arm defenders into the ground so that was one of the three biggest strengths that i saw once again i'm gonna rave about he had phenomenal hands he was winning jump balls against defensive backs and safeties and linebackers there's one catch that he had that was in like triple coverage yes. and something that i want to add on is not only are his hands good but the routes were also great he ran a superb wheel route out of the slot in one of the plays that i saw and you know he did a good job of like aiming for certain spots on the field and you know he he's able to transfer a little bit of his of his cuts to to the wide receiver position which is obviously exciting you love a running back who can catch the ball and i think that he's going to be lethal on screen plays especially last but definitely not least i've talked about it once i've talked about it twice i'll talk about it a million times as we continue to see him develop hopefully is his jump cuts are so quick and so fluid like He's able to cut and it's like he never cut he's still running you know he has that kind of like almost that madden analog control as far as like being able to just change directions on a dot and it goes hand in hand with his vision you know i mean that was another thing that i saw from his junior year to his senior year was you know his junior year he was bouncing outside a lot and his senior year he, he was still bouncing outside sometimes but he was also cutting back and and reading the hole and following his blockers and making defenders miss in the middle of the field just as much as the open field on the sidelines so i'd say that his stiff arm his route slash hands and his vision slash jump cuts are his biggest strengths as a football player bison robinson thank you sure. you mind if i go simon yeah liam go for it all right i want to talk mostly about the mental things that i saw and that's um the first of first and foremost, which is the most important to me, is his, he seemed to have great, um, great spatial awareness of the entire field. So, like when he was when he would make a cut, it would be straight towards his own blocker, so that he could get another block out of that guy. You know what I mean? It wouldn't be away from his blocker. He'd be he'd be cutting towards his own teammates so that he could get around them and that like they could block for him. Obviously, so that mental awareness of not only where the opponent is not only who's coming at you but who you got on your side and who's behind you or to your right who's willing to help you that is amazing me um moving on from that he seems to have a great burst of speed he seems to i mean his top end speed is really solid but it seems to be his acceleration which is his best like turning corners and just shooting straight out of a gap um really seems to be able to hit zero to 60 in as little time as possible if that makes sense yep and then um lastly i would say and i guess maybe second most important maybe most important i don't know it depends on what you view um but he developed from his junior year watching his junior year highlights it kind of looked like he wasn't finishing off runs looked like he was um not that he wasn't half-assing anything but it just seemed like he was um maybe taking certain runs not as super serious as he could have and then fast forward to the junior to the senior year highlights he's finishing runs he's not slowing down he's not letting up at the end of a run even if there's nobody behind him for a mile and he's just putting 
what seems like 110% into everything. And maybe that's an idea of he's still open to being coached. He knows probably that he's not a finished product, but it was good to see. Oh, sure. For sure. All right. Both really good positives uh, for both of y'all when it came to Bajan Robinson. And he has a, he's a five-star guy, so... Ooh, excuse me. He's a five-star guy, so honestly, we should be able to find plenty of positives about this guy. So For sure. Yeah, so for me, I'm going to kind of take a little bit more of a statistical approach, kind of just to wrap it all up, because we are going to mention the type of competition he plays a little bit later. We already have. But for me, it was very, how should I say? It was very assuring that he dominated Arizona football the way he did. You know, so it's for me, like when it comes to certain players and prospects, like some people will give players a certain rating or, you know, four star, three star, two star, one star, five star type of rating based on who they play. Right. Mm -hmm. um, that's very apparent in California for sure. Like, I'm not gonna lie, there are a lot of players in California who are five star guys that shouldn't be five star guys. That's just how it is, you know. But then you got some guys who play in areas that aren't as big football wise, you know, say in Arizona, Colorado, that you know, it maybe it's not as Im impressive, you know, if they, I guess, dominate them, but it's still pretty impressive. But the thing is that the way they rate and whatnot if they're just utterly dominating on every single level possible and it's pretty undisputed then they don't have a choice but to give them a five-star rating and that's the deal with Bijan robinson so i'm just gonna throw out some stats here his senior year he carried the ball 126 times which honestly isn't a lot or isn't as much as i thought it would be for a um, star running back someone who has been an established star running back but he carried it 126 times for 2,235 rushing yards and before this before his senior season so that's the 2019 slash 2020 season he was averaging a ridiculous 25 yards per carry just keep that in mind 25 yards a carry even then he didn't reach that this season but he still averaged 18 yards a carry and then rushed for 38 touchdowns that's that's dominant you know you know what i'm saying like there's no doubt that this dude is the best running back in the state at the least that should you know that means something because arizona is not a scrub they're most definitely a mid-tier football you know state when it comes to high school and whatnot they're most definitely on the rise as of late but that's pretty good also that also means that a third of his carries resulted in scores so just keep that in mind. He added 314 receiving yards. Cody, you mentioned his receiving on only 12 catches. So that's 26 yards, a catch. And then he added three more uh, receiving touchdowns. He also returned four kicks, which were the only times teams kicked to him because this dude, one of his biggest strengths is that he's just dangerous in, in space. If you give this guy open space and he has to beat maybe one or two players, maybe even three, that's too easy for him. You know, you already failed, to be honest, because you didn't get him at the line. And he's just dangerous because he could do whatever he wants. He just has that natural athleticism about him. And he only really scored once on um, on one of those four kickoffs. But what's crazy is that he averaged 59.5 yards a return. Oh God. Had 238 total, um, sorry, return yards. And then obviously he was, you know, 
Gatorade, Arizona High School Football Player of the Year, won all those honors. He was great, you know. Um, one team said they were lucky. They felt like they played really good defense against him, but he still ran for over 200 yards and like three or four touchdowns on him. So that's how dominant this dude is. Also, like I said, he's broken every record possible for running back in Arizona from conferences four through six A. So that's basically three conferences and that he's dominated pretty much statistically. And for me, that's that's a really good indicator. That's and that's a baseline indicator, I would say for sure. But that's good to know that look, not only on film is he good, but it shows that he's consistent with his production throughout the season. You know, the numbers don't lie. He's consistent. And if you look at the film, he's explosive. Like everything y'all said, like he's explosive in, in, in the open field. His acceleration is insane. He has a really nice stiff arm, not, and it's a unique stiff arm for sure. Every, you know, football player has their own unique stiff arm. This one's more of a jab, which is perfect for a speed back. And he's mastered it too. Cause you have to be real surgical with that jab stiff arm, but it's perfect for this type of running back. And and yeah, and you know, his hands are fantastic. That triple coverage catch that we both saw Cody was insane because it was basically a jump ball. It wasn't a good read at all, but he just went up there and got it over three dudes. And yeah, and then this dude has just lastly, he has prototypical size. He's six foot 200 for a freshman in college. That is extremely good, you know, because that means he could potentially put on more weight. Because you know, that means he could potentially put on more weight. Because like Liam said, he did develop, you know, in more ways than one. I think the year before he was 5'11", 180. That's what he was listed at. And then from what I'm seeing, mostly he's at 6'200". Of course, that could most definitely be rounded up. But that's a 20-pound difference for sure. So he most definitely still gained weight. So that means, you know, um, just projecting-wise, you, you get the freshman 15 or whatever it is. It's different for every person, to be honest. He can most definitely be running naturally as an adult, six foot, 215, 220, while running a 4440 and having really good juke moves. So let's not get it. And plus, this dude has basically no injury history. So, yeah. So, those are the positives with him. And he most definitely, ah, sorry, he most definitely deserves to be the number one running back of the 2020 class and to be a five star guy. There's no doubt about it. I don't think y'all are going to disagree with me, right? <laughs> no. There's no, no way. There's no way. The numbers don't lie, you know? And sometimes they do, oh. but in this case, they don't. <laughs> so, and I'll, I'll go ahead and get it started off. So, he does have a lot of strengths, but there are most definitely things he needs to work on. So, I'm just going to start off, and then I'll throw it to y'all, you know? Um, for me, the biggest thing about Bajan Robinson is that he he has played Arizona levels of competition you know so it's not the best we understand that but it's not the worst so we understand that as well but being as dominant as he is as naturally gifted as he is it most definitely results in him not maybe making the best you know um football IQ decisions and let's not get it twisted because from his junior year to his senior year he still improved he still needs to improve and get consistent with it. But there are most definitely times where he gets a little bit lazy. And this this is something you'll see in a lot of speed backs. But they'll just opt to go outside. You know, and that's it. They're, they're not going to read the tackle between the tackles or the guards or whatever. They're just going to go outside. They're going to beat the defense. And they're 
by that point they're pretty much doing their own thing because it could be a dive but if they kick it outside then that's an outside counter you know what i'm saying and so he needs to get more disciplined and being a good you know um ball carrier having good vision trusting his line and just going with it because on the next level there's most definitely a concern that he won't be able to do stuff like that and if he does that's a five yard loss that's a 10 yard loss and that that's a really bad habit to have but it's not you know it's not the biggest deal it's just something he needs to keep an eye on because it can most definitely be a problem if he gets lazy so that's something where he will have to really study that texas playbook you know the ins and outs of that offensive line of every play even not just the line but of every play and just really get disciplined with that for sure so that's really yeah i'll, I'll just leave it there no that's that's the thing that i think he needs to work on most just getting disciplined knowing the plays and whatnot and trusting the line so yeah All right, uh, I'm going to go ahead and jump in next. So for my weaknesses, I was actually kind of surprised that Simon didn't touch on this with um, the stats that he had pulled up. But something that jumped out to me immediately was the way he was holding the ball. Um, he did not have it tucked in. He was kind of just holding it out there like he was taunting the defense, which with the stats that he has, he definitely could. But it also cost him um, over his high school career. He had nine fumbles. And with the amount of carries that he had, that's a fumble every 58 snaps. Every 58 carries was what it ratioed out to 58, 59, you know, given given decimals. But yeah. an NFL running back fumbles about once every 100 snaps. And mm. then like the studs like Christian McCaffrey fumbles once every 200 snaps, right? So if we're looking into the future here where he wants to be a first round guy, he needs to hold on to the ball better. And it starts with tucking it in. You know, he, he was just holding it with his wrist basically against his, against his forearm when he needs to tuck it in. So it's making contact at two points of his arm. And I, I've seen this. It's a pretty common thing. I'd say amongst speed backs, you know, who, who like to make moves and you know if their arms a bit more out it makes it easier to move their arms and thus move their whole body but um he's gonna have to work on tucking the ball in and learning how to run fast that way you know especially uh, as a player at ut you know going to that collegiate level holding the ball out super far isn't gonna fly here so that was the first weakness that jumped out to me and um hopefully ou makes him learn that lesson the hard way <laughs> he's also from uh, I, I did a little bit of extra research and uh, I don't want to say he's a bad pass blocker I just don't think he's a very high effort pass blocker you know he, he's he been the weapon for so long right you know even in the past game he's a weapon but there's going to be some times where you need your running back to stay for a better protection against certain schemes or certain fronts or blitzes right and he's going to have to get the motivation up to realize that, Hey, I'm also a playmaker when I'm, when I'm keeping the quarterback on his feet. Right. And I think that in, in U of T, I'm not sure who you guys have returning on the offensive line, but I know Ellinger was under duress quite a bit last season. And that's not even including like if injuries happen to the liner like that. So if Bison wants time on the field, especially on third down, where he can make a play as a pass catcher, he's also going to have to make plays as a pass blocker. So, and I don't think that it's 
for lack of talent. I just think that it's a lack of uh, motivation. So that'll be something that the coaches will have to work with him on. And lastly, you know, we've talked about the type of running back that he is a little bit. He is a speedy guy. Um, but I think that he tries almost too hard to avoid contact. I didn't see enough film of him where he's wrapped up, you know, cause a lot of these guys just have like an arm on him and I, he can make, he could break an arm tackle in Arizona. Right. But I want to wow. see what he does when he's wrapped up and if he can drive forward, you know, he's, he's a fast guy, but he's got some kind of, I, I won't say skinny legs, but you know, I'm not, I'm not sure how strong he is. You know, if two or three guys have him wrapped up, is he going to push the pile forward? And I'm not telling him to, you know, dive towards where the contact is, keep making plays out on the field, out in the green, but definitely, you know, if there's contact right in front of you, sometimes it is easier to just try and go through them. So I want to, I want to see what happens when he gets more contact. So. Oh, no, for sure. And before Liam goes, I kind of just want to address the whole, um, this, I don't know, like the blocking and the, the, uh, what, what is it? The hand placement when he's carrying the ball. I think that's all really just him getting a little bit too comfortable with the level of competition. Exactly. He really hasn't been challenged like that in years. If 200 yards a game is a challenge, well, well spoiler alert, that's not a challenge. If 200 yeah. yards a game is your lowest amount, that's really not. That means you're not really facing the guys you should be, to be honest. So, yeah, for sure. I think those are just habits he has to break, to be honest. Like, He's been used to playing good competition, and you see it a lot, honestly. Like guys who get too used to playing good competition, so like the basics start kind of falling apart, low key. And that's stuff that he just needs to teach himself and get, you know, and get disciplined. And discipline's gonna be a big deal. And obviously, he's just a kid; he's like 17 or 18, so he has time. But I mean, like I said, this is a you know, this is a film review, so we're gonna touch on everything that we see. So discipline most definitely is gonna be a big deal for some of these high-level prospects, most definitely Bajan Robinson. So he's low-key a little bit of his own worst enemy here. So, yeah. Just my two cents. Liam, you could go ahead and go on. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I have to really echo Cody because it, it, it seemed like every play he he was not tucking the ball. He, he switched which hands the, the ball was in really fluidly and really well, um, yes. which was awesome to see. I, no, I don't think anybody meant and mentioned that for strengths um but he, he actually has that down pat true um but he definitely has kind of that LaShawn mccoy thing where you just <laughs> you, you keep the ball and you like bring it way up above your head when you're making a uh, you know when you're getting away from somebody and then you and i mean if somebody's good they'll just punch the ball right out of your hands and i mean there there are a few times where i saw him not not a lot i might it Probably wasn't more than once or twice, but he definitely held the ball only with his hand, just palming the ball at one point, um, which obviously is not great technique. So that would definitely be a weakness in my mind. Do you have any other weaknesses you want to talk about? Like I mentioned in his junior year, he had trouble, it seemed, finishing off runs. He would slow down kind of towards the end of the end zone. He didn't usually do it if there was somebody hot on his tail, but it just seems kind of like a bad habit to start getting especially if you're starting that in high school um where that can kind of 
bite you in the butt, especially if, say, like you transition to college and then you think you got away from everybody on the field when suddenly somebody comes up behind you, punches the ball out of your hands and then just grabs it in the end zone and, you know, gets a fumble recovery on the 20 yard line. Um, so, but he definitely seemed to have fixed that going into senior year, going into those senior year highlights. Um, there were still one or two times where he let up a little bit, but it didn't seem to be a big problem. So, all right. Word. So what basically, I'm just going to summarize this real quick then. So basically in the off season, we would like to see is that gets more discipline. Is that right? Mm-hmm. That sound about right? Yes. Okay. So he gets more disciplined in all areas. So whether it's ball carrying, finishing off runs, um, what is it? Not not being lazy and cutting to the outside, like really working to get better and to adjust to this next level and not just, you know, put in the work, but be proactive right? to anticipate some of these things. That's that's you know, that's a whole nother level of working hard, in my opinion. So that's what we want to see, um, because I feel like it's pretty much guaranteed that he will get snaps of some sort this freshman year but he shouldn't be uh how how should we say he shouldn't be super you know satisfied with that if they ease in if they ease him in i'll understand that more but just with the word uh, just where uh, oh my god with where the state of the university of texas is right now people want to win now you know People want to win now, whether it's COVID or not. They want to win now. This is Sam Ellinger's last year. This is probably the best quarterback we've had since, you know, prime Colt McCoy before he got his head smashed in. But anyways, he needs to put in that work and he needs to get disciplined. You know what I'm saying? No more, you know, big star running back type of thing. How he should approach this is that he's back at day one, at square one, especially with COVID. So he needs to put in double the work now more than ever if he wants to get to the next level where he wants to be when where we want to see him to be honest which is the nfl uh ultimately so yeah that's that's actually that's pretty much what i'm getting from the feedback that we've put out is that about right yeah i would also prescribe squats i Two. i want what said that too yeah uh i think that you know he just does a bunch of lower body work and you know, he aims for aims for like Saquon legs. And, you know, I think he just lifts in general. And if he puts on another like 10 pounds, I'd like to see that personally. I think that's something that's achievable, especially if football is pushing to the spring. I think that he can reach 210, 215. So for sure. oh, yeah, it's doable. For sure. It's most definitely doable. Um, That's that's kind of what I included. I, I mean, I didn't say it, so I'm glad you brought it up. But yeah, you know, like with working hard, you're going to naturally gain muscle. And for most football players coming out of high school, there's a natural progression that they should follow for every position. And I think this is with where he's at right now. This is a good spot. Honestly, if he maintains 200 as a playing weight. So if he gets a little bit more than 200 and then goes down as the season goes on, that'll be great. To be honest. For a freshman, for, you know, for an 18 year old kid. 19 year old kid that's pretty good and i could live with that as a coach so so yeah all right so with that being said do we want to get into our pro com well okay i don't want to say pro comparisons but do we want to get into his comparison so ceiling and floors 
Yeah, sure. Yeah. Sweet. I think I'm actually the only one with a floor. So if y'all two want to go first, go for it. And then why, you know, obviously. So yeah. For Liam, you got it. So as far as ceilings go, well, should, okay. Should I make a pro comparison? Could do whatever. Yeah. Okay. Um, as far as ceilings go, I think that we could definitely see see B. John Robinson uh, progressing into sort of like an Alvin Kamara type of back. Um, mm, deadly, like deadly in the catch, in the catching role as far as a running back. Um, great burst speed, really just gets out of the, shoots out of the line, and uh, especially once he gets to the edge, just can make a lot of plays happen. But maybe not like the the highest top end speed that makes sense sure. you know but yeah, so still, like an agility guy yeah an agility guy but he you know he's gonna make everybody everybody miss but he's no Tariq cohen as far as speed um yeah but that doesn't mean he can't be amazing doesn't mean he can't be one of the best oh, um so i think he's no. got a i think he's got a great ceiling that is a pretty good ceiling and that's a good comparison as well i could see that for sure maybe a little bit bigger as well but yeah we'll see you have a floor at all if you don't it's okay um come back to me i'll yeah, hear your okay. guys's and then I'll, I'll try and make some yeah, for sure all right cody you want to go next yeah so i don't have a floor but the pro comparison or the comparison i'm going with is a pro running back from a few years ago i mean they're still in the league but i'm choosing the version of a few years ago of a levy on bell so first off, just from a right. physical standpoint, they have a lot of similarities. Le'Veon Bell coming out of the combine was six foot, six foot one, uh, 230 pounds. You know, I think that that's something that is definitely achievable for Robinson here in the next few years. And Bell ran a four, six 40 at his combine. And Robinson's current recorded 40 is a four, seven, seven. So I think wow. that. Yeah, so he, he's pretty quick. And I think that he can shave down that time to be in the 4-6 range, honestly, with a couple of years with some high-level coaching and, you know, just from some experience at the collegiate level. And, you know, Le'Veon Bell, a couple of years ago on the Steelers, he was a do-it-all guy, you know. He would line up, sometimes split out, and catch passes and run after the catch. You know, he was one of the leading running backs as far as catching the ball goes. Uh, that goes for out of the backfield, too. And I think that their jump cuts are really similar, honestly, with how they get their whole body into it and they don't stop moving, you know. And and I'm talking Le'Veon Le'Veon Bell like MVP talk kind of Le'Veon Bell, you know, or at least yeah, obviously. at least consistent Le'Veon Bell is, prime is more Le'Veon. what I'm. What? I just said prime Le'Veon Bell. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So that that's kind of what I see, and I think that you know. I think Robinson also does a pretty good job of following his blocks. And also, like, you could see Robinson kind of put his hand on his blocker sometimes as, like, a little bit of a push-off to either change directions. And that's something that I remember Le'Veon Bell doing all the time. So yeah. that's definitely where I saw the similarities was, you know, the vision and the jump cuts and then, you know, the being able to run good routes and catch. And Le'Veon Bell is also probably one of the better stiff armors of the past 10 years as far as more of a finesse back goes oh absolutely i like both of y'all's comparisons from a skill standpoint I'm sorry here from a skill standpoint honestly it's 
pretty spot on, I would say. You know, he's a very he's someone who most definitely has the potential to be a dual threat. Uh type dual threat type of running back. Yeah, but okay. So I am gonna go with more of a college comparison for now, just because it's a little bit easier for me. Uh his ceiling is like prime Reggie Bush. I see a lot of the same things that he does, you know, same Ooh. body type, same honestly, you know guess kind of how should i say this like playing type as well just real shifty and whatnot you know top end speed maybe not the best but most definitely good enough and 477 might be a little like i, I don't know how accurate it is i mean even if it was shorter i wouldn't know how accurate it is but it could most definitely be you know shaved and whatnot as time goes on because honestly 40s is all about technique if we're being honest so there's that as well but yeah i see a lot of reggie bush i think could have a very dominant career all three years or how many years he stays at ut if you know he puts in the work and whatnot so i see a lot of prime reggie bush college wise and i'm gonna stick with and i'm gonna be the first one to have his ceiling or his bottom level i guess for this breakdown and i'm gonna stick with college so his floor is that senior year version of bryce love out of Stanford because they still have the same body type. They still have a lot of the same skills and whatnot, but the senior year level of Bryce love was not. It, it showed where his cap was for sure, because he didn't, you know, I, I feel like he really didn't progress as well as he could have, like he could have done way more film work. He could have gotten much bigger, but injuries caught up, you know, bad habits caught up and, you know, it resulted in him honestly not getting drafted as high as he could have but still like a lot of people talk about how like oh well he just didn't leave at the right time and whatnot but honestly if you're not dominant in your senior season and that kind of says a lot about how dominant you would have been your rookie season because you're still as talented you know maybe you're out of you know maybe you're out of character or out of rhythm there's that but i really did feel like with bryce love he just kind of fell apart and he wasn't as explosive and as good. And as teams play you more often, they will figure out your tendencies and they'll make you frustrated. And that's what happened with Bryce Love. So if you don't work as hard to be as disciplined, to do all these things and whatnot, and to get rid of those tendencies as much as possible, uh, I see a lot of Bryce Love in, you know, Bajan Robinson's future at the very least. And don't get it wrong, Bryce Love still had, you know, one or two really good years at the end of the day. Know, because of the things that happened you know that didn't reach his full potential in my opinion so yeah so those are the two comparisons for me reggie bush i'm reggie bush out of usc and then senior year bryce love out of stanford so yeah okay fair enough i, I really like that ceiling and i really like that that floor you know because it shows that even if he doesn't progress, he's still going to be a good player at the collegiate level. But then that Absolutely. leaves the question mark at transferring to the pro level. So, right. And yeah. I would, um, I'd actually make a maybe a similar comparison or a similar uh, recognition as far as he's probably going to have a really solid collegiate career just with his skill set already, right? But transitioning to pro level i would say maybe his floor is like i know i've already said this uh once today but maybe like a slower LaShawn mccoy 
Mm. Especially if he doesn't fix up some of the discipline issues with, with uh, you know, carrying the ball and how he carries it. Um, we could definitely see, which maybe isn't even a bad thing. You know, there there's plenty of running backs in the world who wish they could be a slower LaShawn McCoy and have, you know, maybe 7,000 rushing yards as opposed to 11,000 rushing yards uh, in their career. So I'm, I definitely can see him being even if he reaches that floor alone, could easily be a starter, especially in a uh, in like a running back by committee type of system. Mm-hmm. Um, and maybe getting like six to eight hundred yards a season, and doing that very consistently, and then catching probably three hundred yards on probably like 30, 40 targets. Right, about fair, I would say. Um, I, I I like that. So more of a poor man's LaShawn McCoy type? Yeah. Rotational? Okay. Okay. Yeah, yeah I could see that for sure. Oh. But I don't think... Uh, well, I mean, it's too early to tell. So I can't say anything. Yeah. Oh, I mean, uh, this is our comparison... Uh, sorry. This is our comparisons as of right now. Uh, sure. As of August 5th, 2020. It could change. You know, but if we're right, we're right. So, you know, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. Sweet. Uh, do y'all have anything else to add to this breakdown for Bajan Robinson? Bajan? I need to figure that name out before, move. <laughs> you know, before we talk about him more in the future. Bajan, Bijan, because I don't want to be saying it wrong. So, sure. yeah. Uh, any last comments about him? Not really. Um, I uh, hope he does well for all but one to two games of the year. So, yeah, those two well, games being uh, against Boomer Sooner time. So that's where <laughs> that's where we're gonna punch the ball out. He's gonna learn. Go learn today. Well, we'll see. You know, I just want him to be able to play with Sam Ellinger as. I could most definitely be in question, to be honest. Yeah. So, yeah. That would be a great... I think he will fit perfectly in the Texas offense. I mean, honestly, he could fit perfectly in any offense. This one, for sure. They run a lot of pistol, you know. Um, Sam Ellinger will have you know, somebody who could actually make a play that's not a six or plus receiver that's really raw. So, there you go. Liam, anything else, or are you good? Uh, you know, I wish him luck going further into the season. Uh, and reach out to us. We'd love to do an interview. For sure. Um, I, I don't want to just keep hating on him or criticizing him. Like, I want to see what his thought process was for sure. So if that's yeah. possible, you know, let's, let's do it. Let's do it, Robinson. All right. So with that being said, I'll wrap up the 44th episode of the cycle 365 make sure to follow us on instagram twitter and facebook at that exact handle the cycle 365 if you are listening to us you already found us on all major streaming platforms or your preferred major streaming platform so that's spotify google podcast apple podcast youtube so yeah give us a good rating share us show us some love and i'm simon Voyanos. I'm Cody Stoffer. I'm Liam Hughes. 
Catch us next week. Catch us, actually, catch the last miniseries episode that should drop on Tuesday. Where me and the boys, slash maybe, I don't know. It doesn't just have to be the boys, but me and the squad are going to wrap up the miniseries for this summer. So, yeah. Peace. <laughs>